12 noon here on SAFM 104 to 107. Welcome to your Monday edition of uh, Midday Live, the 13th of January 2014. My name is Bongekwala. It's good to be back on the show and it's good to have you with us. Top stories this hour, two of the people arrested in connection with the with an apparent hit on a senior police officer and a specialist investigator claimed they were tortured by the police and scores of ANC supporters gathered at the Inkandla Magistrates Court where 30 ANC members are expected to appear. These and other stories coming up shortly, but first, the news at 12. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. In the news at 12 o'clock, one person dies during a Brits protest and Ariel Sharon's memorial service underway. Good afternoon, I'm Kirit Lala. One person has reportedly died and three others have been injured during a protest march at Motlutlung in Brits in the northwest province. About 300 residents have blockaded roads in protest over water. The community says water has been disconnected since last Thursday. Police are monitoring the tense situation. Scores of ANC supporters have gathered at the Nkandla Magistrates Court where 30 ANC members are expected to appear. The members were arrested at the weekend after they allegedly tried to prevent EFF leader Julius Malema from handing over a house to a local resident. The house, which was built by Malema's party, is a stone's throw away from President Jacob Zuma's private residence. Malema forced his way to the house when ANC supporters allegedly blocked the road, preventing him from passing. A few EFF members are also gathered outside the court. Two of the three people arrested in connection with an apparent hit on a senior police officer and specialist investigator claim they were tortured by police. Sibonisa Mia and Owen Serrero, who were allegedly hired by Czech fugitive Radovan Kretscher to kill police colonel Nkosana Kilatrimba and forensic investigator Paul O'Sullivan, say they were assaulted and tortured after the arrest. They appeared in the Alexandra Magistrates Court with Zodumisa Biela and Jacob Nare. Nomo Bolani reports. Lawyers for Serrero and Mia say a case will be opened against the police for the alleged torture. Magistrate Dronea Boschoff said there were no visible signs of torture on the pair. The four suspects were facing eight charges, including conspiracy to commit murder, robbery and possession of a stolen car. The case has been postponed to next week for further investigation. Meanwhile, the National Prosecuting Authority says it will oppose a bail application and have remained tight-lipped on when the fourth suspect was arrested. Three of them were arrested in Santon on Thursday. Noma Polani, SABC News, Alexandria Magistrate Court. President Jacob Zuma says he is unfazed by the booing at the memorial service for former President Nelson Mandela at the FNB Stadium in Soweto last year. Addressing the New Age breakfast briefing at Bombela in Mpumalanga a short while ago, Zuma said booing was part of politics. I think what people miss is that in politics, there are many tactics that people use if they disagree. Booing is part of a political activity. What's the problem? If people have a view and they want to express, it's not violent at all. It's expressing whatever. There are many ways of doing it. Some engage, some shout, some boo. For an example, people were saying, well, Zuma must be embarrassed in front of these heads of state. Those heads of state have been booed in their own country. It's a, it's a normal <laughs> political exercise. 
Economist Paul Gering says South Africa needs a director of public prosecutions who can take the challenge of fraud and corruption and deal with it head-on. The issue of fraud and corruption was covered at length in President Jacob Zuma's January 8th statement. Gering says white-collar crime has continued to wear away the economic institutions of the country, with consumers having to bear the costs. Well, we need greater utilization of the services of the Auditor General, and we need a Director of Prosecutions who is going to take on the challenges of corruption at all levels, be it at the very top or the middle of government or the municipalities. Unfortunately, we see a lot of times where matters are not followed up. In Durban, for instance, we've got the whole Manasi report, and nothing seems to be happening. And a memorial service for Israel's former Prime Minister Ariel Sharon is taking place outside the country's parliament, the Knesset, in Jerusalem. The U.S. Vice President Joe Biden and the former British Prime Minister Tony Blair are among the guests due to address the service. After that, a military convoy will carry Sharon's coffin to his farm in southern Israel, where he will be buried. Here's the BBC's Yolanda Nell in Jerusalem. The coffin of Ariel Sharon, draped with an Israeli flag, was on display outside the Knesset as the ceremony began with a psalm reading and the singing of a traditional Jewish memorial prayer. In a speech, the Israeli president, Shimon Peres, described his friendship with the former soldier and politician, who he said defended the nation and made difficult decisions. Alongside Israeli politicians, international figures turned out to pay their respects. Later, a funeral will take place at the Sharon family ranch in southern Israel, close to the border with the Gaza Strip. Recapping the top story at midday, one person has reportedly died and three others have been injured during a protest march at Motlotlong in Brits in the northwest province. For SFM News, I'm Kirit Lala, back with headlines at 12.30. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. Six and a half minutes past 12 here on SFM 104 to 107. Midday live indeed. Welcome. And okay, well, we're back into the full of swings, things really. Everything kind of like back to normal right now. Uh, what is your top story this uh, this past weekend? We welcome your SMS is 34701. Some people are saying that uh, step aside World Cup 2010, even uh, uh, Janji interpreting at uh, Nelson Mandela Memorial Service uh, doesn't come close to it. The NC election manifesto and January 8th statements, biggest thing so far to happen in South Africa. Uh, do you concur? Just uh, some of the elements really uh, that uh, stood out for you, uh, the highlights of uh, the NC manifesto. Well, for me, I can tell you the establishment of that sentence centralized procurement office. Uh, how feasible is that? How is it going to work? Uh, that, that's uh, something that stood out for me. Really, if uh, if the NC gets that right, if the NC government gets that right, I think uh, it's something uh, to, to celebrate and uh, it will deal with uh, fraud and corruption, particularly in municipalities, even those small municipalities, corruption and uh, uh, really very, very rife. So hopefully this one will work and uh, we'll see, we'll get rid of uh, all this uh, corruption there. If you're planning to travel to Limpopo, you may want to listen closely as well as uh, the Provincial Health Department there has issued a warning to travelers who would be traveling to Bembe and Mopane districts to be cautious as uh, it is malaria season. 
in the province. Ariel Sharon also of Israel passing on, being in the coma for eight years. What do you make of that as well? Some people will celebrate, but some people will be sad as well at that development. Eight minutes past 12, midday live, SAFM 104 to 107. We talk to our reporter now, Norma Bolani. Two of the people are arrested in connection with an apparent hit on a senior police officer and a specialist investigator claim they were tortured by the police. Sboniso Mia and Owen Serrero, who were allegedly hired by a Czech fugitive Radovan Krejcia to kill police colonel Nkosana Kila Klimba and forensic investigator Polo Sullivan, say they were assaulted and tortured after their arrest. Afternoon to you, Noma. Just talk us through their appearance first in court and this claim that they're making right now was it even entertained? Actually, um, Bongi, it seems if there's any case that's linked with Radovan Kretscher, there always seems to be chaos in the courthouse. At first, we had to wait for about one and a half hours, you know, before we were told which courtroom um, the case was being heard in. Um, the lawyers weren't informed as well. So there's a lot of panic and, and chaos. Also, there's a lot of, there was a lot of security um, uh, heightened at, um, you know, at the courthouse. There were... Um, detectives who were in civilian clothes, who were carrying rifles, there were police guards, it seemed like TRT was also here. So anything that seems to be linked with Radovan Kretscher seems to be, um, you know, a, a security threat, you know, when it comes to cases being brought to the courthouse. And um, at first, the media wasn't allowed in. Um, we were being told that media not allowed in, must wait until afterwards and ask the lawyers what's going on. And then we explained to them that, you know, courthouse is a public space and we're all allowed in. So eventually the magistrate was like, we're allowed to come in, and but no forces will be allowed. And then we heard that the claims made by accused one, Bonifamia, and accused fours, um, Owen Serrero, saying that they were tortured um, by cops following the arrest. These torture claims actually go in line with um, Radovan Kretscher's torture claims. He said that he also was tortured after um, his arrest when he was arrested last year in November. The magistrate, though, said he doesn't see any physical signs um, of torture on any of the accused. Um, and then the lawyer said they will be opening a case with the police. All right. And uh, just talk us through uh, what else came out in court now that you are allowed in. And, uh, of course, uh, you are allowed to take uh, pictures. So, so what else happened? Um, nothing else happened. Obviously, it was the first appearance. Um, the, the, the case was postponed to the 20th um, of January, which is next week, Monday, for further investigation by the investigating officer. So we have found out their names. Um, accused one is Bonisomnia. He comes from Esho in KZN. That's the address that is written on the charge sheet. Um, accused two is Jacob Nare from here in Johannesburg. Accused three is Rodumi Sobiela, who's also from KZM Dubatuba, but living in Douglasdale, which is north of Johannesburg. And accused four, Owen Serrara, also from here in Johannesburg. And it seems that um, Rodumi, so he's a female, 23 years old, is uh, apparently um, the girlfriend of accused four, um, Owen Serrara. So that's, that's how the story is developing at the moment. And uh, Paula Sullivan, uh, I'm singling him out because uh, he's been very vocal here. Did do you see him in court today? Was he there? No, no. Um, Pearl Seven is not here. I don't think he'd be coming um, so early. Maybe if it was a trial stage um, of the case, he would arrive maybe to 
kind of see um, how, how it's going, but we don't expect to see him anytime soon. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, our reporter, Norma Bolani, reporting for us uh, live at uh, the Alexandra Magistrates Court, where uh, the two of uh, the uh, two of the people arrested in connection with an apparent hit on a senior police officer and a specialist investigator making a claim that they were tortured by the police, but had uh, no visible signs of torture, uh, the magistrate has said, has been, uh, has been uh, recognized there. It's uh, 11 minutes uh, past 12. Uh, a group, uh, or rather Group C of the 2014 Chen tournament gets underway at uh, the Free State Stadium in Bloemfontein today and the qualified teams have vowed to hold nothing back in their quest uh, to hoist uh, the coveted trophy. We'll be looking at uh, that uh, story shortly. It's uh, 12 and a half minutes past 12. This is Midday Live SAFM 104 to uh, 107. Just uh, trying to find this uh, toxic story that uh, we are following for you right now. Uh, it's a story that uh, happened in um, uh, in, uh, in Limpopo, the Kruger National Park. The Department of Water Affairs has laid criminal charges against the Bosfeld Phosphates Company responsible for a toxic spill into the Salati and Oliphants rivers near Palaboro, Limpopo. The toxic spill killed fish over a 15-kilometer stretch of water and forced the Kruger National Park, through which the Oliphants flows, to switch to borehole water to protect several camps that usually use river fish, or rather river water. For more on this now, we're joined on the line by the Director of Compliance, Monitoring and Enforcement at the Department of Water Affairs, Nigel Adams. Mr. Adams, good afternoon to you. Good morning to you and to all the listeners. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. So you have laid uh, criminal charges against uh, the Bosfeld uh, Phosphate Company. Uh, just uh, talk us through the, 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 the core of, of your criminal charges. Basically, we had a complaint from uh, fishermen about serious fish kill during the period of the 30th and 31st of December. And... Uh, the area had received 100 millimeters of rain during that period. So there was a spill from one of the uh, dams, and the water flows straightly into the Salati River. Upon the investigation, we found that the pH at that time was at 1.5, but uh, during our intervention and in investigation, we managed to get the pH up to 6. All right, and and they they are making a claim that uh, really it, it's it's nothing of their own doing. I mean, uh, exceptional rainfall in late December causing an uh, impoundment dam uh, at the company's fertilizer manufacturing plant to overflow. Really, do do you punish people? Uh, you know, when when it's not their own doing. No, that's not the first incident. There were numerous incidents in twenty thirty. We have issued them with a pre-directive, and uh, they were pre-warned about it. So it's pure negligence. And and how how do you hope to deal with this situation now that you've laid criminal charges? What do you want to see happen? Because uh, it's not going to bring back the fish that have uh, that have been uh, you know uh, affected by this, but also something needs to be done quickly to deal with this village. Uh, currently, what we've done is I spent the last two weeks there. We're trying to contain the situation and prevent any further pollution incident. So, but regarding the criminal case, that matter is subjudicate. We've laid the charges. We're working with the Department of Environmental Affairs and other government institutions. 
and uh, we took prosecuting samples. Uh, I had experts in from the department last week to advise us how to prevent any further incident. So we want to contain any further incident happening. The department got especially compliance monitoring and enforcement. We got a zero-tolerance approach. Mm. But uh, when you issued the first directive to this company, what what was contained there that uh, they, they didn't heed and as a result we have this situation right now? They did an un- unlawful water re- uh, release of water that's not according to the regulations standard. So we gave them a pre-directive. They made re- a representation, and that matter is still ongoing. And uh, the, 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 the effect of this river, how, how far does it go? How widespread uh, uh, does this, well, even the anticipated uh, effects of, uh, of, this, of this bill right now in the, in the Kruger National Park? Okay, it went down the Salat, Salati River. We, our first point of uh, where our first weir is, where it's the confluence with the elephants. The pH went up to 6.5. The department did do releases from Blader River Dam to dilute the water. We did inform also Mozambique to warn them about the water. So it's a multi-governmental approach to, to, to deal with the issue. But for now, uh, is the situation under control, Mr. Adams? The situation is under control. As I said, we're trying to prevent any spell. We know it's the rainy season. As I'm speaking, we the, the on the mine. According to my reports from my guys on site, the back actors are here. They, they are building coffer dams. Uh, they put in line bags. So we're trying to prevent any further pollution. We thank you very much there, Mr. Adams. Nigel Adams is the the Director of Compliance, Monitoring and Enforcement at the Department of Water Affairs, reacting to the toxic spill that killed over a 15-kilometer stretch, uh, rather killed fish over a 15-kilometer stretch of water and forced the Kruger National Park, through which the olifants flows, uh, to switch to boho water to protect several camps uh, that usually use uh, river water there. There's been a steady increase in the number of disputed debit orders due to fraud and invalid mandates. This is according to statistics by the Payment Association of South Africa. SAPA. SAPA numbers show that every month banks collectively process about 31 million debit orders. 120,000 of which are disputed. According to the latest data available from uh, the Paymaster Payment Association of South Africa over the five years ended uh, December 2012, the number of uh, disputed debit orders increased from 0.15% to 0.4%. Joining us uh, on the line right now to discuss this matter further is uh, the Chief Executive Officer of uh, Payment Association of South Africa, Walter Falke. Good afternoon to you, sir. Quite a huge jump from 0.15% to 0.4% of debit orders that are disputed. Firstly, in your assessment dealing with uh, this problem every day, what do you attribute this to? I think there are a number of factors. Um, the, The concerning part is the misuse. 
but I wouldn't describe the you know the the total number of the of the increase to misuse. I think sometimes it's also the consumers themselves that because of um, you know financial pressure they would just uh, dispute the transaction at the bank, get their money back, and then. Uh, you know, increase their cash flow in that way, and then obviously they worry about the next month. So there's also a big element of, um, um, you know, customers disputing the transactions just for the sake of of, uh, cash flow management. Mm. But obviously that doesn't excuse the misuse, uh, which is the part that we're more concerned about at this stage. Maybe whilst we're still on that, do you find that uh, consumers will dispute this month and then uh, the following month they get it right when maybe they get a bit of money or they dispute and then they they, they drag it on for, for, for extended periods? Yeah, I think um, it's a little bit of both. Some of them would do it just a once-off if they've had a crisis month. Let's say suddenly they need to pay school fees for the kids or you know buy a new pair of shoes or something like that. And uh, so they've in a crisis situation, they, they would do that. Um, obviously, if it happens too frequently, they would get into trouble with the, the micro-lenders or the banks um, that have loaned them the money. So I think in most cases, it's sort of once-off experiences. Yeah. And, and this, uh, I, would, I would presume, will, will then have an impact on, on the overall management of, of uh, credit records then? Yes, absolutely. I think it has certainly a, a negative impact on the statistics, but also for the individual, it gives them a worse um, you know, risk profile uh, for, for both the banks and the micro-lenders. We'll come back to, to some of these uh, disputes and, and, and the causes uh, uh, there too, but uh, fraud being one of them, uh, but importantly, invalid mandates yes. is concerning. T- yeah. Talk us through that. Well, you know, I think one of the big strengths of the debit order system is that it is highly efficient. It's not very expensive. And as you mentioned, over 30 million transactions get processed every month. And if you think of a 0.4% dispute ratio, it's, it's still reasonably efficient. So, you know, if you had to investigate a paper mandate for each one of those, it will triple, quadruple the cost. So it has been very efficient over the years. But I think in recent years, we have found increasing levels of disputes. We have dealt with the companies that have been exposed through the monitoring of the dispute ratios, which is what PASA does do. We, we do monitor the individual users that submit de- a debit orders, and if their ratios go beyond certain thresholds, we do deal with them, and we have closed quite a number of them down just to make sure that we don't get the rogue players coming in. Um, but I think in the longer term, the solution is to have electronic mandates for each and every transaction which is uh, a project we are certainly working on right now, is to attach electronic mandate to each and every every, uh, transaction. It's PASA, not SAPA, Payment Association of South Africa. I beg your pardon. But but also there's there's a problem here. We we hear of abuses uh, facilitated by intermediary companies. Talk us through that. How how prevalent is that and how, how are you dealing with it? Yeah, actually, uh, one of the rules that we implemented during last year and started enforcing is that we need a unique uh, reference number for every user that submits debit orders. 
Um, in the past, when you get your bank statement, sometimes what you saw in the statement was the intermediary company, which could be just an information technology company, what we call a system operator. Mm. These days, that is not allowed. We want um, the the final beneficiary party, the, the actual user that submits the, submits the debit audit, to appear on the statement so that when you query a transaction, you know you're querying the right company. Um, but obviously, we also are looking to the intermediary companies to deal with the rogue players uh, that we have identified. And so we're putting uh, pressure on the banks, the intermediary companies, and obviously, ultimately, the the rogue players that are registered as uh, de- uh, debit order users. Mm. And uh, the way that we're doing that is, uh, as I mentioned, we're monitoring the statistics. So um, any... Um, dispute ratio that's above 5%, we're focusing on at the moment, and we would then expect them to submit to their sponsoring bank the uh, valid uh, mandates from the consumer for each and every transaction that they've, um, that they've submitted. If we find that there are transactions that have been submitted without a mandate, that is obviously illegal, and we could put them on a bad user list, which prevents them from accessing the system. Very interesting. I think we still need to talk some more about this. But for now, that's where we're going to leave it. Walter Folge, who's uh, the Chief Executive Officer at Payment, Payment, uh, or Payment Association of South Africa, PASA. Thank you very much for that. It's uh, 24 and a half minutes past 12. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Our top story this hour, one person has uh, reportedly died and three others have been injured during a protest march in uh, Motutlung in Brits in the northwest. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,246 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,434 an ounce. The rand is trading at 10 rand, 71 cents against the US dollar. Listen to this at 17 rand, 61 cents to the pound. And it's at 14 rand and 63 cents to the euro. How often have you left home and forgot to switch off your lights, alarm system, or geezer? Taps are also easily forgettable as well. Even worse, you forgot something that could easily start a fire when unattended. Gubevu IT and security systems puts you in control of things at home while you are not there. All of this is possible with just the touch of a button on your cell phone. You can protect your valuables and will cost you no more than 100 rand a month. For peace of mind, call Gubevu IT on 079-170-5852. Midday Live on SAFM, 104-107. It's at 26 minutes past 12. Uh, the Limpopo Provincial Health Department has issued a warning to travellers who would be travelling to the Bembe and Mopani districts to be more cautious as it is a malaria season in the province. This after about 700 malaria cases have been reported in Limpopo in the past three months. For more on this now, we're joined on the line uh, by the Health Department spokesperson in the province, Adele uh, Fandelinde. Good, good afternoon to you, Adele. Good afternoon and thank you. Before we even talk about the prevalence of, of the problem right now in the province, uh, you, you, we, we're talking about people who will be traveling to, uh, to, to, to Limpopo, but what about people who have been there? Well, you see, and I'm very glad you've asked this question, because if we look at the number of reported cases in Limpopo, uh, these are not only people who contracted malaria in Limpopo itself. A lot of those cases are also migrant workers, or um, visitors to other countries or other areas that are also malaria prevalent. 
that then basically seek medical help in Limpopo, and therefore they become part of our statistics. So when we issue this warning, we are not only talking about the Rembe and the Lupani districts of Limpopo, but we are also warning our visitors to the Kruger National Park, to Mpumalanga, to Mozambique, and to Zimbabwe to be vigilant and to make sure that they do not contract the disease. And if they do come back from there um, and they do experience flu-like symptoms, like high fever, like uh, um, shivers, uh, extreme nausea and headaches, that they should seek medical um, uh, help as soon as possible. They shouldn't delay. You know, sometimes people think it might just be a summer flu, whatever the case may be. Mm. A simple blood test can quickly confirm whether malaria is, is, is whether the person has malaria. About 700 uh, malaria cases uh, reported in the past three months. Uh, does this uh, constitute a crisis or it, it's really a situation under control? Uh, not at all. These are the months uh, from October up until February. It's the rainy season in Limpopo. And, um, uh, well, actually in most of these parts around Limpopo as well where malaria does occur. So these are the times that we expect the cases of malaria to increase. And then it starts drastically decreasing again towards the winter months. And um, our financial year, obviously, being from April up until March, those are the statistics that we then um, gather. Now, if you look at the number of cases, the exact number actually is 765 for the three months. If you go and have a look at the average for the past 10 years, between October and December, we're looking at 875, which means that uh, for these three months, we've actually experienced 110 under the average. Um, and therefore, it's definitely not a case for concern. And the uh, preventative measures that uh, the department has put uh, in, in place? Well, we do residual spraying of households and rural villages right through the year. We do not only concentrate on these months. We do awareness campaigns as well. Uh, we engage the community to make sure that we um, eradicate stationary water, you know, like sometimes in wheelbarrows or in your empty uh, car tires and things, you might, might find that, you know, it had rained and there's a stationary puddle of water and this is where the mosquito breeds. So we also um, ask the communities to assist us with that. Then, of course, for all travelers to, to, to malaria areas, I mean, you know, the, the, the malaria is mosquito just as any other mosquito. They bite at night between uh, sunset and sunrise. So it's always best if you are outdoors to wear long sleeves. Uh, you know, oh, it's very hot at the moment, so people don't prefer doing that. But there are so many products on the market that can be safely used in adults and children uh, to, to, to put onto the body that repels uh, these mosquitoes to make sure that you're not bitten, and especially while sleeping at night, to make sure that there is a mosquito net over the bed and also to use some of these uh, uh, mosquito repellents. Adele van der Linde, thank you very much, spokesperson for the Department of Health in Limpopo. It's 12.30 exactly right now, and it's time for the news headlines. Good afternoon, I'm Kirit Lala. In the headlines at 12.30, the appearance of 30 ANC supporters at the Nkandla Magistrates Court in northern KwaZulu-Natal has been delayed because of processes that need to be followed as two of the accused are underaged. One person has reportedly died and three others have been injured during a protest march at Motlotlong in Brits in the northwest province. And President Jacob Zuma says the ANC is in continued talks with NUMSA, Kasatu's biggest affiliate, which has threatened to leave the Labour Federation and stop its support of the ruling party in this year's election. Details on these and more at 1pm.
2921 uh, and uh, we say compliments good afternoon welcome hello shadow twella how you doing Absheni. <laughs> and so on and so on. Yeah, so they say. All right. Welcome back, Bongi, and uh, hope and, and wish you all the best for 2014. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the same goes uh, uh, for you as well. But uh, I, I've been around, came back Monday. Mm-hmm. I've been waking up three o'clock in the morning doing AM Live. Not too nice to get up in the morning, but it's okay oh, on Friday because okay. you're out by 10 o'clock. <laughs> 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 but but come Sunday, really, you need to prep yourself and and contain yourself and I know. don't go overboard. But otherwise, yes, I really enjoyed uh, uh, your show right through uh, the festive season, uh, eye opening. Really talking to psychiatrists and uh, all sorts of people how to spend money and people who see into the future. Also, were telling us all sorts of things. <laughs> Crystal and that, we'll hold them up to that. I told them that I've kept record of everything they said. We'll, we'll call up, we'll call upon them again to yes. to explain how they got there. I remember. Yes, please call <laughs> them. Uh, uh, Feb, uh, was it February 14 that I'm looking forward to? But yes. also, yes, after the elections as well to see if some people <laughs> that they said won't be won't be there will will be gone. All right, <laughs> what's coming up on otherwise this afternoon? Well, on the show today, marketing director Ashley Carmen, we tracked down the journey of the flip file that started out in a garage. It is now distributed in major chain stores. We talked to Linda Olagunji, who's the founder and MD of DLO Energy Resources. She joins us to talk about women in energy, the rise of African independent power producers. And finally, we talk about the relevance of an MBA with head of MBA program at the University of Stellenbosch Business School, Dr. Marlies Perbrand-Smith, who started her job, in fact, on the 1st of January this year. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. Great stuff indeed. Let's go through some of uh, your SMSs coming through 34701 and your tweets at Kuala News. I still don't understand why people haven't picked up that uh, the contemplated state state tender board was first established under apartheid in 1968, says Pio in uh, KwaZulu-Natal. And uh, this one, ANC's unveiling of its manifesto was broadcast live on SABC. Will that mean the live broadcast of other parties' manifestos to Zandisile in East London? And this uh, one, ANC, to investigate the incident as a possibility ex- uh, exist that uh, EFF members were also in uh, the ANC crowd using plastic bottles uh, seeking press coverage. That's Jack Dolo there. Just uh, highlighting some of the top stories for the weekend. Uh, I request a mathematical calculation concerning jobs created by ANC and lost since uh, Mr. Zuma took office as uh, the truth seems hard to swallow. It's Papillon in uh, Eldos. My cousin couldn't be accepted at TERF and uh, Univen because he got three points on English. He has uh, five in home language, four in geography, math, physics. What can be done there? It's an unsigned uh, SMS there coming through on 34701. I'll be reading your tweets also shortly uh, coming through at Kuala P News. You can also uh, send us an email, by the way. We are available midday live at sabc.zo.
sfm.co.za. Let's go to KwaZulu-Natal now. In Kandla, where 30 people who were arrested in Kandla during a confrontation between the Economic Freedom Fighters, EFF, and the African National Congress, the ANC members, uh, were expected shortly to appear in the local magistrate's court in the northern KwaZulu-Natal. EFF leader Julius Malema, along with uh, members of his party, were in the area to hand over a house to one of uh, the Nkandla residents there when uh, they were allegedly attacked by ANC members who had uh, demanded they leave. Let's talk now to our reporter who is uh, on the story, Nonjabulo Mdunga. Nonjabulo, we understand that a short while ago uh, the court appearance uh, had been delayed uh, because of uh, processes that need uh, to be followed as two of the accused are underage. But uh, just uh, talk us through uh, what has happened so far. Well, so far, I can say that, you know, it's a bit disappointing. It has not started. Uh, Members of the ANC are packed inside. Others are outside the court uh, waiting for the proceedings to start. And as you see, that it's almost half past 12, which means that we're heading to 1 o'clock. And normally we know that, you know, when it's 1 o'clock, all courts go to lunch break, which means that if it doesn't start now, there's a possibility that it will actually start at 2. But I can say that, you know, we have actually been uh, got an opportunity to speak to some of the ANC members. They're actually hoping that, you know, things go well today. And um, the fact that they're actually hoping that, you know, uh, things get resolved today here in court. But it doesn't seem that uh, any of... Um, the, the wishes uh, might come through because we've actually uh, got an opportunity to speak to uh, the prosecutor. She has told us that there's so many processes that they have to follow before uh, the, the accused members could appear before the court. And the fact that considering, you know, there's still too many of them still taking um, a lot of notes from them and also getting some information from them and obviously uh, the young ones that they still have to um, uh, contrast with the social worker, making it very difficult and, you know, which is time consuming and which is actually causing these delays. In terms of, uh, okay, so, so when is, uh, when is the, 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 the appearance now expected to, to start? At this moment, it seems like the appearance will start at 2 o'clock because there is another case that is also in process. And about uh, the, the two who are underaged, how is that being dealt with? Well, the two who are underage, we uh, have been told that uh, these uh, two young ones, they will actually uh, first consult with a social worker. And obviously, because they are underage, they will not appear before um, in the public presence, which means that, you know, they will appear at their own time with their lawyers as well uh, as before the magistrate. And obviously the members of the public, members of the ANC, even their parents will not be allowed uh, within the courtroom. And uh, in terms of uh, the turnout in court? Well, the turnout here before the court, it was a bit disappointing because, you know, it, with cases like this, you always expect that, you know, you will find members of both parties maybe outside the court having like a protest, others carrying placards and singing their struggle songs. But we haven't seen any of that action in this case. It's quite, it, 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 I can say that it's a bit quiet. Um, we don't know, maybe it's because of the weather, because it's a bit cold and rainy here at Sinkantla today. But what I can say is that, you know, most of the supporters that are here in court are the ANC supporters. They are the majority supporters that are here. Um, in the beginning, when we first came in here, we saw about two, three um, members of the EFF wearing the EFF regalia. But at this moment, it seems like they also disappeared when there are none of them within the courtroom and even outside. It's just, you know, the ANC supporters.
Okay, we thank you very much. Nonjabulo Mdunga in our reporter in KwaZulu-Natal, who is at the Inkandla Magistrates Court. Let's now talk to Senzo Mkize, who is the spokesperson for the ANC in KwaZulu-Natal. Mr. Mkize, good afternoon to you. Welcome. Really, the ANC must be disappointed at this. I mean, if even President Zuma has condemned this in the strongest terms. But what do you make of it as the ANC? Uh, good afternoon and good afternoon to all listeners. Indeed, we regret what happened uh, uh, in Kanda and the ANC with disapprove and we also encourage our members not to interfere with other organizational uh, uh, programs because all organizations have got their rights to campaign freely without any interference. So we regret what happened in Kanda. But uh, it would appear that your members are not heeding your call. I mean, uh, 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 Ms. Helen Zille, leader of uh, the Democratic Alliance, was there, and uh, she was pre- prevented from, from proceeding with whatever she had set out to do, and, uh, and, and the NC was involved. And, and there you go again, the EFF leader. It was known that he was going to come to, to, to Nkandla, and uh, obviously a high-profile leader of, a, of, of, of an opposition party going there and being prevented again. No, no, let's correct, let's correct that. Uh, sure. Uh, Helen, Helen Ziller was allowed to be in Uganda because uh, even in, in terms of the report that we received, that uh, uh, the leader of the DA went to Uganda. But the issue, uh, she wanted to go to the house of President Zuma where she was, uh, 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 not to go to the house of the president, not to the era of Uganda, but also, as far as we are concerned, the information that we received that other members of the EFF were already building the house. There was nothing happening, but I don't know what happened because I think the confrontation started during the time of the arrival of Julius Malema. So that's why the ANC was initiated and the team that to investigate and come back to us with the proper information because at the moment we are getting accusation and counter-accusation without effect because at the end so we need to act against those members who will find to be uh, contravening any uh, uh, constitution and, and also uh, uh, policies of the organization because it's not the culture of the ANC to interfere with other uh, 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 programs of other organizations. I'm sure it's too early to 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 ask you how how are you going to act because you're still yeah, doing yeah. the investigation. Yeah, but uh, yeah. generally, in cases like these, what what happens when when people are told not to do something and they go ahead and they and they break uh, the party's uh, really policy? Uh, so what, how do you deal with them? Look, firstly, firstly, we need to to ascertain who convened, who organized these people because. It, it, it can't be correct to say these people were just uh, uh, woke up and, and went there without anyone uh, uh, organizing them. So we need to identify and also we need to ascertain what were the reason for, for those people to do that. Then we'll apply the necessary measures to deal with, with, with those people who, who convene and organize the match that was not, that was illegal in terms of and also that was unfortunate. Because as the ANC, we, we don't support that. But for your information, Malema, Malema yesterday was in Umlaz in without any athlete. So so it's it's something that happened in Uganda, but it's not something which is widespread in the province. Mm. But uh, finally, Mr. Mkiza, it's election time, and, and we know what happens around about this time. So how are you going to make sure that KwaZulu-Natal uh, uh, really does not uh, become, uh, or do not, uh, well, we don't see pockets of no-go areas? Because this was prevalent way back when, particularly the ANC and the IFP were, were the two strong parties in KwaZulu-Natal, would see some of the areas becoming no-go areas. How are you going to make 
make sure that this time around, 20 years in our democracy, this doesn't happen? No, we need to educate our members. Our members. We need to be firm as the ANC, as the ANC leadership, as well saying it was unfortunate and we regret, we regret what happened. And also even our action also must, must, must make sure that also it, it, it must take that message to say to our members, they must not interfere with other organizations. They must focus on the program of the ANC because uh, I, I think this, this is a campaign to take the, uh, uh, to compete with what was happening in Bombella. So I, I think because of the behavior of our members, they did achieve that, So which is, which is unfortunate. Also. But, but uh, are you not saying that uh, the NC was provoked? It's something that we needed to, as we are saying, at the moment we are unable to say what happened really because we are still getting more information. That's why, that's why I've said they, they, at the moment there are a lot of accusation and counter-accusation and things like that. But we need to get the proper information in order for us as the organization to communicate, not hearsays, but something that we've collected in the proper manner. But when we've collected information, it, it interacted with the French leadership, then we'll be able to say what really happened and also what kind of action that we'll need to take as the organization. But, if, but we can't justify what happened there. It, it was not called for, and it's something that uh, uh, as the ANC we discourage. Senzam Kize is the spokesperson for the ANC in Natal. We thank you very much. Group C of the 2014 Chen tournament gets underway at the Free State Stadium in Bloemfontein this afternoon, and the qualified teams have vowed to hold nothing back in their quest to hoist the coveted trophy. The group uh, comprises uh, Congo Brazzaville, Ethiopia, Ghana, and uh, Libya. Debo Kholitsaba reports. In a late kickoff tonight, Libya take on Ethiopia. The Libyans, affectionately known as the Mediterranean Knights, make their second appearance, but they qualified without kicking a ball following the withdrawal of Algeria. Defensive midfielder Ahmed Kamal al Turbi of Al Ahli Benghazi is confident of causing an early upset. We know that the, 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 the nature of this tournament is new players from domestic leagues, so we don't know the other teams, but we are confident you know, to do well in this tournament. Ethiopia made their first appearance in the tournament. They failed to secure a victory at the 2013 Africa Cup of Nations, which was their first participation in 31 years. And they lost to Nigeria at the final hurdle for a berth in the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Midfielder Beihailu Asefa has vowed to put up a gallant fight. All uh, team is participating this chance is a, a good team because there is before we participate this uh, tournament there is a big uh, qualify against, for example, my team is to qualify from uh, Rwanda. So all team is a strong team, in my opinion. Ethiopian TV journalist Said Kiyar. This team have been uh, playing for almost two years and six months, and this will be the peak of the team. And it's been expected that uh, this national team uh, at least should qualify the group phase. Yeah, uh, this team, most of uh, more than 60% of the team uh, is the team which have been in the World Cup qualifiers in the African Cup of Nations last year. And it's being hoped that this team uh, will get its space at this tournament. The Black Stars of Ghana make their third successive tournament appearance. The 2009 finalists are eager to make their mark. 
bought by their third consecutive FIFA World Cup qualification, Ghana remain pre-tournament favourites. Asante Kotoko midfielder Jordan Opoku, a member of the Ghanaian team, which lost to the Democratic Republic of Congo in the 2019 tournament, will captain the side. Uh, because our senior side have qualified for the World Cup, uh, our Ghanaians are expecting a, a very good result from us. So uh, it's a pressure, but uh, we have to soak this pressure on the field of play so that uh, we can achieve what we have targeted. Interim coach Maxwell Konadu has also rubbished the reports about the dominance of Asante Kotoko in the team. Eight of the 23 players are from the Kotoko team, which Konadu previously coached. When you analyze the situation very well right now, we have uh, too many players from Kotoko because they are doing well in the local scene. The, the first round ended and they are seven points ahead of every team. So it's not just by chance that they are here. They've, they've proven that they are very good when it comes to performance. For me, I don't, I didn't even consider that uh, one, one team has that large number here because we selected the best from Ghana. I'm Tebohole Tsaba for SABC News, Bloomfontein. Time now for your lunchtime market updates. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telecom Business. And we say good afternoon for the first time now this year, 2014, to Prandana Naidu of Saswin Securities. How are the markets looking at the start of the new year, Prandana? Good afternoon, Bongi. It's great to be back, and we're looking forward to a prosperous new year. Well, just over a week into 2014, and global markets have drifted mostly lower after an extremely strong start to the year. 2013 brought with it a host of ongoing challenges worldwide, but equity markets managed to outperform. The Nasdaq returned 38%, and the S&P 500 was up 30% in U.S. dollar terms. Looking ahead to 2014, investors continue to see growth in developed markets, especially America. The U.S. Fed is likely to phase out its bond purchasing program and keep interest rates the same. Analysts are predicting the U.S. to grow by 3% for the year. Economic recovery in the Eurozone is expected to gain ground. Emerging markets face the risk of slowing foreign capital inflows but are looking to deliver 5% for the year. Overall, global GDP is forecast to expand by 3.4%. Locally, the JSE returned 18% during 2013. The RAND depreciated by 24% to the US dollar, whilst the gold price fell 28% in dollar terms. Top performing stocks for 2013 were EOH, NASPERS, Coronation, and Mondi, each returning over 100% on average. The gold counters Harmony, Goldfields, and Anglo Gold Ashanti took the biggest knocks, each averaging a loss of around 60%. Taking a look at the local indices, we've got the gold index up 3%, resources 10 index up 0.5%, industrials 25 index up 0.3%, and the financials index up 0.2%. Overall, the market is up 172 points to 45,720. Stocks on the move today? Telcom up 4.3% to 32 rand 58 cents. Anglo Gold up 3.8% to 128 rand. And Northern Platinum up 3.2% to 41 rand. On the downside, we've got Etel Tile down 5% to 7 rand 60. Nampak down 2.7% to 39 rand and 14 cents. And Sycom down 2.3% to 23 rand and 20 cents. 
And uh, your latest uh, market indicators? Gold is trading at $1,246 an ounce, platinum $1,433 an ounce, and Brent crude $106 per barrel. And finally, the rand is trading at 1070 to the dollar, 1759 to the pound, and 1462 to the euro. Thank you very much to Prandana Naidu of Sasfin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, please can you order me a midday blood sugar levelling gastronomic experience? Lunch, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. SAFM brings you live, interactive, topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues, to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. It's uh, eight and a half minutes to one. This is a midday live SFM 104 to 107. If you're following tennis, Australian Open, uh, pretty nice, exciting indeed. Uh, Serena Williams leading uh, by six love, won that first set. Second set right now, she's leading 4-2. It's uh, 40-30 right now against uh, Ashley Barty. Uh, Barty them. Uh, very interesting stuff, really enjoyable tennis indeed it's live on uh, tv right now as we speak uh, pretoria north uh, magistrates court is hearing a case of two tuane metro police officers arrested for allegedly robbing a motorist of cash totaling half a million rand it is alleged that the two officers stopped the motorist for speeding on the n1 near Hammond's Kral, north of pretoria on tuesday last week tuane metro police spokesperson isaac mahamba says that the suspects took part uh, of uh, the motorist's money and ordered him to leave. For more on this now, we're on the line to our reporter, Fenwell Schumer. Afternoon to you, Fenwell. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, just uh, remind us of uh, this story. It happened uh, last week, Tuesday. Half a million rand was in the car and uh, part of it was allegedly taken by the two Tuane Metropolis. Yes, but uh, firstly, let me correct that uh, the case is actually appearing at the Hamaskral Juridical Court where the two officers made their first appearance. And um, they have been reminded in custody until next week, Monday. This is to allow police to further investigate the case and also for bail application. Um, what actually happened last week, Tuesday, when the two officers, Dita uh, Rampajo and Trevor Ramabo, uh, while on duty, they were actually assigned to monitor traffic on the N1 between Hamaskral and Pretoria when they stopped uh, this uh, motorist who was uh, speeding. And upon searching his vehicle, they found a bunch of cash and uh, they threatened to arrest him for money laundering. But uh, during the squabble or during the altercation, they actually put him in one of their cars and one of the officers drove the victim's car 
they drove around until uh, to a stage where they dropped him somewhere and ordered him to leave. Uh, during that time, actually, that's where the money disappeared. Half a million disappeared from this guy's uh, boot. A certain Fahim Isaac was traveling from Bay Bridge, border post to Durban. And uh, he opened the case at the Haman trial police station. And that's where the two officers were arrested on Friday while they were on duty. All right, Fenerishum have run out of time, but uh, thank you very much for that uh, update. It's uh, five minutes to one. Time now for Create with Michelle Constant. Create is proudly presented by Business and Arts South Africa, bringing the business of the arts and the art of business together. The ninth annual Musho International Theatre Festival will be taking place this week at the Catalina Theatre in Durban, Etiquini. Supported by the Performing Arts Network of South Africa, PANZA, the festival pays tribute to work featuring one and two performers and covers a wide range of styles, from drama to comedy and physical theatre. Giselle Turner of Panza KwaZulu-Natal says that the festival provides practitioners with the platform to showcase their own original production, which they don't often have access to. The real importance is that there are a lot of artists who are not just keen to work other people's productions, but who are really interested in creating their own works. And because that's quite an expensive process, to have a festival which celebrates one-handers and two-handers gives people the opportunity to create a piece which is not going to be too expensive to mount. So it's something to aspire to. I think young writers look to Musho as an opportunity to say, this is what I'm doing, and to get some feedback before you start taking it out to other festivals. Turner's production, Ilimboland, will open the festival. Ilimboland is looking at the process happening between two people who find themselves in Never Never Land. They find themselves totally isolated from everything and they know that they are dead. But they don't know who they are and they don't know how they died and they don't know how they're connected. And the time that they spend in limbo is the process that they go through as they start to unpick their history. They start to understand who they are, where they came from and how they're connected. And the decisions that they make around that process, once they've unpacked it and discovered it, is going to determine their future. Johannesburg-based writer and director Samson Mlambo is staging his play, The Shoeman. Mlambo says that the play follows the journey of South African youth who are faced with difficulties of paying school fees and finding jobs. The Shoeman is a play about a young man who comes from a very poor background and who happened to attend his high school in town, which is a multiracial school. So he does so with hope that the children from around his village will follow into his steps. So he just shows them that instead of looking in the government, why can't we take an initiative and responsibility and make sure that you know, we get educated and then we can make a difference in our country. As in the previous year, the festival will also include productions which have been created through the new director's development project. There's a big developmental component to it, which is looking at developmental community theatre work. So people are also being mentored into how to create scripts, how to direct. So it's run such a broad spectrum and it caters for so many different arts practitioners. One of the productions is Back Tonight Under the Street Pole, 
written and directed by Wiseman and Kube. Kube, who previously only participated in the festival as an actor, says that he felt it was time to voice his own stories. I'm still an actor, but I've got my own stories. You know, actor, and you get scripts and you read scripts. You've also got your own stories that you want to tell. So I sat down and I thought, no, let me just write my own shows in an actor's perspective. Kube was mentored by theatre director and lecturer at the University of KwaZulu-Natal, Royal Trainstra. Wiseman Gruber is one of those upcoming young talents and he's this rare guy who likes to write. He likes to construct a plot. He likes to think about story and what you can achieve with it. And I think that's rare. And I think South Africa as a whole, they have fabulous directors and actors, but good writers are difficult to find. The Musho International Festival will kick off this coming Wednesday at the Catalina Theatre in Durban and will run until Monday the 20th of January. For a full lineup of the programme, you can log on to www.mushofestival.co.za. I'm Michelle Constant. This feature was produced by Monique Stunder and you can email me on create at barsa.co.za. Create. Proudly brought to you by Business and Arts South Africa. Creating new opportunities for business arts partnerships. Email create at baza.co.za. And uh, just uh, SMSs coming through 34701. The ANC should not block anyone moving anywhere for anything in the country. ANC and IFP wanted freedom of movement anywhere and didn't want no-go areas. That's Hole in uh, Polokwane there. The kind of uh, an unfortunate act like the one that uh, happened at Nkandla by ANC supporters is a cry for help, a political schooling for the masses called Tolniyengeni to rescue David Mtunzi. And uh, Debs Omashekho saying that, uh, welcome back, thank you very much, EFF, gradually gaining the ground across the country. The takeover is possible soon. Wow, says Debs are there. Bitsy, also thanks for your uh, uh, tweet. I was disappointed by uh, the ANC who wanted to prevent uh, Malema from handing over the house built by EFF in Kandla. Just some of your tweets and SMSs. Mababuloka and Butle Motswatswe, thank you very much for producing the show. Olabokhang Monana, our technical producer. Obri Sechie is our executive producer. My name is Bongi Kuala. Let's do it again tomorrow for a Tuesday edition of Midday Live. Bye-bye.